That last song is absolutely one of my favorites. We're going to continue our study of Ecclesiastes. If you want to turn in, turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We have been talking about last week, as a matter of fact, we talked about how Solomon tells us actually again and again and again in Ecclesiastes that God is in control. God is in control. And last week we saw that God is at work. Now both of those are great comforts to us. We need somebody else to be in control. It seems like when you look, watch the news or, or look at the world, it seems like the world is completely out of control, but it's not. And it seems like God has forgotten us or isn't looking or, or perhaps is, is distracted elsewhere, but he's not. God is in control and God is at work. And we've seen that as, uh, as Solomon has presented it in chapter 8. We're going to talk again this morning about death. Solomon seems almost fixated on death, doesn't he? If you read Ecclesiastes, it's a lot about death. But he sees death as the great equalizer. He sees that death, no matter who, how you live or who you are, you die. This, uh, this again, isn't news to us. We understand it. We know it. We, we even maybe think about it. But we put those thoughts away pretty quickly. We don't want to know. We, we don't want to talk about the fact that we all die. We die. Just this week in my, uh, in my capacity as chaplain, I've, I've been asked to respond to a 15-year-old who died and a 97-year-old who died. So we literally don't know when it's going to happen either. It is a surprise. But it's going to happen to each one of us. And, and Solomon uses that, uses death, as a reason to live. And I think he's, he's on to something here. <clears throat> because he tells us that life is short that we all die, and so we need to live with joy. We need to enjoy what we eat, enjoy what we drink, enjoy what we do, because life doesn't last forever, so live life while you have it. I think that, that, that summarizes a lot of what, it, what Solomon says. Live life while you have it, because it doesn't last forever. It doesn't, it, it comes to an end. So he's talked about these things again and again, and he's going to talk about it in the verses that we're going to look at today, verses 1 through 6 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. We're going to look at those, but he's going to bring up something that he really hasn't talked about up to this point in Ecclesiastes, love. Love. Now, I think it's interesting how Solomon presents love. And so we're going we're gonna to really kind of dive into love today as we read these, as we study these verses. So let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. They are up here behind me. Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, 
for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice. As it is for the good, so also it is for the sinner. As it is for the one who takes an oath, so also for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. But there is hope for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. There is no longer a reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their envy has all already disappeared. There is no longer a portion for them in all that is done under the sun. So let's, let's first talk about in God's hands. He says that we are in God's hands, and I think this is an interesting statement it's, it's a more endearing way of saying that God's in control. We're in God's hands. It's, it, it is, it's a way of saying God, we're, that God is in control, but, it's, but, it, but it brings our minds to other places as well. It also says that we're in God's sovereignty. We're in God's protection. We're in God's favor. We're, we're in his hand. It's a much better... I can stand here and say God is in control. And you think, okay, yeah. But when I, say he, when I say God God has you in his hands, it's, it's a much stronger statement. It means so much more to us. So it's, it is talking about God's control, but it's also talking about God's, <clears throat> God's provision, God's protection. He, it's talking about how God works in us, the power of God working in us and through us to the world. We're in God's hands. And so his power is working in us and it's working through us to the world. I, I have said many times from the, this platform, I'll say again, I do not understand why God would choose us for his plan of salvation. I don't understand. I don't mean, <clears throat> I don't mean that you shouldn't be saved. I mean, why did he make us a part of his me- getting his message to the rest of the world? Doesn't he know who we are? <laughs> Doesn't he know what we've done? Yet, we are a part of what God is doing. We're a part of his plan for the redemption of the world. Kind of amazing, but it's his power working in us and through us to the world. I think also this statement could be understood as our reward is in his hands. In, in chapter 8, we saw that God rewards the righteous. And so his being in his hands means that our reward after this life is in his hands. He has our reward waiting for us. So it's a, I, I like how Solomon puts it here. That we're in his hands means so much more than God is in control. It says that, but it says so much more. And then he brings up love and hate. And he says, people don't know what to expect, love or hate. Now, I, I have to tell you, this is, if you're a commentary reader, this has been understood a lot of different ways. Two main ways, I think, he, are they talk, is, is Solomon telling us about the love and hate of God. Now, when he says love and hate, he's using it, if it's of God, he's using it in the sense 
that, that it's used in, in Malachi when, he, when God says, I, I love Jacob, I hated Esau. It means accepted and rejected. And so if this is God's love that he's talking about, then, then what he's saying is people don't know what to expect, whether to be rejected or accepted by God. Are you going to be rejected or accepted by God? Now, we know in Christ we're accepted. As a matter of fact, Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we know that we are going to be accepted if we're in Christ. We know that. We know already that we are accepted. But think about this in terms of those who are trying to work their way to heaven. Think about this in, in terms of the faith systems, which is still about 75 or 80% of the faith, faith systems or belief systems out there, still think that you work your way to heaven. you got to do stuff to make God happy with you. Do they ever know what to expect? Do they ever know that they've done enough to be accepted, or are they going to be rejected? We know in Christ we are accepted. We are fully accepted. So if you hear nothing else this morning, if you have fallen asleep already, or, or, you, or you're nodding off, hear this before you go. <laughs> there is nothing you can do that will make God love you less. And there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. He loves you for who you are. Not what you have done, not what you will do, not what you don't do. He loves you for who you are, and he's shown it in Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died in your place on a cross to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin. So there is nothing I can do to run away from the, the, the love of God, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. You can't pile on religious stuff and good works and, and, and give enough money to the church or, or to, to a ministry. There's not enough stuff you can do. You are accepted because of Jesus Christ. And that's all. By grace, you have been saved through faith. So if you hear, hear nothing else today, hear that. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you less, and there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. But the way he describes this, he could also be talking about mankind's love. And I think he has a point in man's ki mankind's love. We don't know what to expect. We, in fact, don't know what to expect from ourselves sometimes. We don't know how we're going to react, whether it's in love or in hate. We don't know what to expect from other people, love or hate. But I don't think, it, it, though, though there are some commentaries and some scholars who believe that, that he's talking about mankind's love, I think he's talking about God's love. And I think he's talking about God's acceptance and rejection. How we can know that we have his acceptance because there is, therefore, no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he kind of sets up, now verse 6 
talks about love and hate and envy dying with us. So I think that's mankind's love. He's talking about God's love in the first part of this, the, the, this passage and mankind's love in the second. So he's setting up kind of God's love versus the world's love argument. Consider the differences between God's love and the world's love. How does the world present love? It presents as, as an emotion, a feeling. That's all it is. It's reduced to how I feel. Today, I love you. Tomorrow, I may not. Love grows cold. And, and if you want proof of that, look at the divorce statistics. We talk about love and we talk about loving God and loving ice cream and loving pizza and loving sports. I can love my favorite sports team when they're winning and when they're on a losing streak. Well, maybe not so much. Love is fickle in mankind. In this world, love is, is performance-based and fickle. Now, how does God's love present it? God's love is, is presented, for instance, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, as patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking or irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love find, finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, I emphasize that part because what does Solomon say in verse 6? He says their love dies with them. Mankind, the world's idea of love, dies when you die. God's love never ends ends. In fact, Psalm 136 says, I think 21 times, his faithful love endures forever. God's love never ends. God's love never grows cold. He's never looking away. He's never saying, well, I love you when you're doing the right things, but when you're doing the wrong things, you know, not so much. That's not God's love. God's love isn't performance-based. It isn't about what you've done or what you're doing or what you don't do. God's love is not performance-based. It is based upon Christ. And when you think about Christ, He has shown us how to live in God's love. He has shown us how to suffer in God's love. He has shown us how to die and what happens after death in God's love. He has shown us the way. He has shown us who God is. He's shown us how much God loves us. He shows us the love of God in its complete form. So, once again, as we've seen in, in, uh, in other parts of, of the book of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon cries out for, what Solomon desires we have in Christ. You want to know whether you're accepted or rejected by God? In Christ, there is no condemnation. You are fully accepted by the finished work of Jesus on the cross, by your faith in Him. Fully accepted. You are in His hands. You are in His protection, His sovereignty, His guidance. 
you are, you are in his hands and your works are, are what the things that you do are, are recorded in heaven. He holds your reward waiting for you when death comes for you. In Christ, we have everything that, that Solomon asks for here. We know we're accepted. We know we're in God's hands. We know we have a love that, that we have and experience the very love of God in Christ. You can know how this ends when you look at Christ. You can know how it's going to end for you if you're in Christ. And so I need to ask you that question. Are you in Christ? Have you trusted Him and Him alone for your salvation? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider that question. Have you trusted Jesus? Have you trusted that He died on the cross to save you? Are you in Christ? Because you can be in it with a simple prayer this morning. You can follow along in your own words and say, God, I I know I have sin in my life. I have wickedness in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross to pay my price. So I trust that I, am, that, that, that I can be in Christ so I can be accepted, so I can be in your hand. So I ask you to forgive me for my sin because of his finished work on the cross, not because of anything I can do, have done, or will do, but because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life. Give me this power. Work in me and through me. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor. Let them know. Let them know that you prayed to be in Christ this morning. Maybe this morning you just need a moment to be encouraged by God. A moment to, to simply understand God is in, at, at work. God is in control. I am in His hand. Will you take this moment right here? Father, we thank You For this, your word. We thank you that we have in Christ what Solomon cries out for. We are accepted in you. We are are in your hand, guided by you, empowered by you, a reward waiting, held by you. Keep us mindful of this as we go through our week, that we are a part of your plan in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand with me?